uh, paid the ultimate price for our freedom. I want us to remember also these, uh, these families of these precious children that we lost. Well, that's a hot microphone there, but it, that's good. Thank you. Just um, remember the families of these precious babies that were murdered uh, this week. It's just incomprehensible, and uh, all the talking heads will look around and try to find a solution here, a solution there. And I, it's not my job here to talk about politics. It's my job to preach the word of God. And I'm telling you right now, the problem in the world is evil. It's sin in the heart of human beings. It's, it's sin in the heart of human beings. And uh, until we turn back to God as a nation, we're never going to see things get better. Now, the good news is some of the best revivals that uh, great awakenings that came, they came uh, in the midst of darkness. You know, Jesus was born in a period of spiritual darkness. That's what we need to remember, that uh, even in times of great darkness, the light of God can shine in our hearts. You should have turned with me to Second Peter chapter 3. get my chair I may sit for a spell or I may walk for a spell or I may run for a spell I don't know just depending on how I feel second Peter chapter 3 Peter begins in verse 1, and he says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust and saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation for this they willingly key word there they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. I want to speak to you just briefly this morning, this subject, a message we must remember. A message we must remember. I'm going to ask my dear friend, Pastor Larry Allen, if he will lead us to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we come this morning thanking you for the privilege of being in church. With all of the terrible news that we've had this past week, church is where we need to be. Yes. Lord, we need to hear your message proclaimed. We need to hear your word. We need the light to sink into our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for our church, for our leaders, especially for our pastors. And we pray, Father, that you would bless them as he tries to speak each Sunday. We pray, Lord, that you would give him strength physically. We pray that you'd restore this problem that he's been having so that he will not be suffering from it. But Father, even more, we pray that you guide him spiritually. Yes. So that he might be our leader. Yes. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We pray, Lord, that you would help us on this memorial day. Yes. Weekend. To remember those who have fought for us and who have died for us. Yes. Help us to cherish their memory and realize how important they are for our freedom. Lord, go with us and guide us. Bless us all. We ask in thy name. Amen. Amen. Now he starts out and he says, This is the second letter that he's written, and I would assume the first letter would be 1 Peter. But he says, I write this now with a purpose. He said, I want to stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. We need our pure minds to be stirred. Our carnal minds don't need to be stirred, do they? They wake up in overdrive. <laughs> uh, we wake, from the time we wake up, we're thinking about what we want to do. But Peter says, I want to stir up your pure mind by the way of doing something important, and that is remembering. It is appropriate for us to remember the sacrifices that men and women have made for our freedom. It is appropriate for us to set aside time to remember their sacrifice. It is also appropriate for us to remember the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus made for us. He paid the ultimate price for us. It's appropriate for us to remember that. Now we've been studying in the upper room and if my math is correct, all of the predictions that Jesus made in the upper room have come true with the exception of one. He said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. He said, I'm going to send the comforter. And he did come, amen? The Holy Spirit is there. There's one promise yet to be fulfilled. What is that promise? 
I will come again, he said. Do you believe it? I believe it with all my heart. And I believe it sooner than any of us think. I believe we're on the very precipice of the coming of the Lord. I do. I want us to sing a little chorus. Y'all know that chorus, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Let's sing that one more time. It just sounds so beautiful. I love you, Lord, and I. Sweet expressions on each face, and I know that surely the Lord is in this place. Surely He is here. He said His angels are encamped about those that fear Him, and I just, I just sense His presence in a special way here this morning as I share with you. Um, Peter says, "Be mindful of the words that were spoken by the holy prophets and of the apostles." In other words, pay attention to the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because the Old Testament and the New Testament both, from cover to cover, speak of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. There are multiple prophecies concerning the first coming, but there's even more concerning the second coming. Jesus is coming again. He promised He would, and I believe it. This is a message we must Remember, now one of the ways we know this for sure in verse 3 is he says that there's going to come scoffers in the last days. What does it mean to scoff? Well, my simple working man's definition is to take lightly what we should take seriously. Um, it's interesting to me that the apostles, um, Peter, this was Peter's dying letter as was uh, 2 Timothy was Paul's dying letter. In each of those, the last things that they talked about was the conditions of the end times. And it was foremost in their minds uh, as their dying words. And I think that's significant. They looked for the Lord to come back in their lifetime. <laughs> and here we are 2,000 years later, and we act like it's not going to happen. Now, there's no, uh, no anticipation, no eagerness for it to happen. But I think that in itself is a sign. Notice the scoffers are walking. The reason people are scoffing is because they're walking in their own lust. 
We're doing what we want to do, in other words. And it's evidenced by our speech. Notice in verse 4, saying, Where is the promise of His coming? You can almost see it as if it was be, being said in quotes. Now here is the error, and I'm going to try to pronounce it and not do my Joe Biden imitation uh, on this word, uniformitarianism. Uniformitarianism. Say that six times fast. I couldn't if I had to, if my life depended on it. Um, but it means this idea that everything's just continued, things have always been the same, that God is far removed from creation, that he's not intervened in times past, he's distant, he's not going to intervene now, and that is a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Even within Christian, Christian circles, there are those, uh, there's a debate as to, to, to the age of the earth. And there's young earth creationists, which I'm one of those. I'm not a biologist, but I'm, gonna, I'm a young earth creationist. We've only got roughly 6,000 years of recorded history. You know, and none of us have lived long enough to know anything beyond that. But I think in order for the lie of evolution to flourish, we need to believe, or they want us to believe, that the earth is billions and billions and billions of years old, right? Because that's the only way to account for evolution, the theory, which is a false theory. It, because up until now, in 6,000 years of human history, I've never seen a monkey turn into a person. Right? And I've seen some folks that acted like monkeys. Never seen a cat turn into a dog or whatever, you know, a monkey turn into a human. And people are not getting any better, right? If the theory of evolution were true, we wouldn't have school shootings, right? Because we'd be smarter than that. So the theory of evolution is not true. So in order for that lie to flourish, we had to believe that Earth is just billions of years old. Now look at verse 5. He says, for this they are willingly ignorant. It's one thing to be ignorant. It's another thing to be willingly ignorant. It means you choose to ignore. And there's two things that Peter says they choose to ignore. Number one is creation. Now even biologists now, scientists, are embracing the idea that the earth started with a crisis. They call it the Big Bang. I call it Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God said, and it was. They're ignorant of the creation, and they're ignorant of Noah's flood. Now, Jesus Christ treated Noah's flood as if it were a fact. Peter treated Noah's flood as if it were a fact. The scoffer will say that Noah's flood was a localized flood. And if it was a local flood, then that makes God a liar. Because God promised he would never destroy the world again with a flood. 
And there have been many local floods since Noah. Amen. This was a worldwide flood. And the reason the flood came was not because of global warming. It was because the thoughts of every man's heart were the evil. Does that sound familiar? That's the world that you live in. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the Son of Man. Now, it's ironic to me that the symbol of God's promise to Noah was the rainbow, and now that has become the symbol for sodomy. Turn with me back to 2 Peter chapter 2. Here's a little history. We live in a society that tries to revise history. Verse 4 says that God did not spare the angels. That's how the devil became the devil. He sinned. Verse 5, God did not spare the old world, but he only spared Noah. Look at verse 6. Turn the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes and condemn them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that shall live ungodly. Now turn with me to the book of Jude. It's the book right before Revelation. Book of Jude. It's only one chapter. Look at verse 5. He says, I will therefore put you in remembrance. Here again, the, the, the idea of the importance of remembrance. Though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward did what? Verse 6, and the angels, there again the fallen angels. What happened to them? They're reserved in the chains under everlasting judgment. Now look at verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to and strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So Jude clearly tells us that Sodom and Gomorrah were judged for sexual immorality. Now I'm going to tell you something, folks, and it's not going to be popular on Memorial Day weekend. But if God lets America escape by, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because later on this week, they'll be holding pride parades all over the country. You know one thing that God hates? Pride. We need to humble ourselves. But instead of rebuking sin, we celebrate it. Paul says in Romans, we not only do those things, but we take pleasure in those that do them. We celebrate immorality and filth on the television. Everything that we listen to, all the music, it's the video games. Filled with violence and uncleanness. All right, let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 7 
Now, if you're, if you're mad about what I'm talking about, your issue is with the Bible. It's not with me. I haven't said anything that's unbiblical this morning because I feel it. Some of you are saying, no, nah, I don't believe that. That's all right. You don't have to believe it. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. Let me be a liar. Don't take it because I say it. Get in your Bible and see what the Scriptures say. And that goes for anything, not just today's topic. Thank you, Sister Judy. She's wanting to hold me accountable. She's like, yeah, you check up behind him. Make sure he's telling the right stuff. All right. <clears throat> Verse 7 tells me that I don't have to worry about man pushing the button because God has reserved the fire for himself. Now, that doesn't mean that we might not have an atomic event. I mean, we have had a couple already, haven't we? Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Man has never created a weapon that he didn't use. But God is not going to allow man to destroy the world. He's not going to. He has reserved judgment for himself. Verse 8. But beloved. Notice he's talking to believers here. But beloved. Be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with a like a thousand years to the Lord. He's quoting from Psalm 90. Which is the Psalm of Moses. And he's saying, God doesn't count time the way we do. Right? So I'm not here today to set dates for you. I'm not here to say, Jesus is coming back in the year 2022, 23. Nobody knows. But we can know when it's so near it's at the door. Paul said, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. What promise is that? That he's coming again. The promise he made in John 14 in the upper room. God's not late. You know, sometimes we look around and we say, How long, Lord? How long are you going to let this go on? And I selfishly say, Lord, why don't you just come back and get us now? But I have to remember something. Remember there was a book that was written uh, back in 1988? 88 Reasons Why the Lord's Coming Back in 1988. You can get it pretty cheap now <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> and we laugh about that. But you know what? I'm sure there were a lot of people that were hoping he would come back in 1988. I'm so glad Jesus didn't come in 1988 because I was lost. I'm glad he didn't come. In 1980. And that brings us to the last part of this verse. God is not slack concerning his promise, but he's patient. He's long-suffering to us. Not willing that how many should perish? That destroys Calvinism in one swift blow. I'm sorry. Now, there's points of Calvinism that I could defend. Maybe three out of five, maybe four out of five, but... God is not willing for anybody to perish. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. But the day of the Lord will come as what? Now this phrase, day of the Lord, is used all throughout the Old Testament. And it speaks of 
the events that will begin, not necessarily with the rapture, but with the beginning of the tribulation period. There is a lot, there's volumes of scriptures that speak of this time period called the day of the Lord. And it includes the tribulation period, the second coming, the millennium, uh, and all, the thousand year reign. Now, it says the day of the Lord will come how? This is how I know it's not talking about the second coming. The second coming is one of the most documented time periods in all of history. From the signing of a treaty with the Antichrist, there will be how many years? Three and a half years. And then in the middle of the three and a half years, what happens? The abomination of desolation. I feel like Schoolhouse Rock, Emancipation Proclamation. Devastation, illumination. All right, I'm going to stop now. In the middle of that week is the abomination of desolation where the Antichrist goes into the temple of God, right? Then three and a half years from that to the day, Jesus comes back. So that's not a thief in the night. He's talking about the rapture. It's coming. Quickly. I believe sooner than any of us think. So on this Memorial Day weekend, let's remember this all-important message that even though the world is in chaos, and it is, and our nation is in chaos. You know what it says in Psalm 9? I want to read it to you really quick. I think it's in Psalm 9. If not, I'm going to be really embarrassed here. Oh, here it is. Psalm 9, 17. Thank you, Lord. The wicked shall be turned to hell and all the nations that forget God. You want to know why America's in a mess that it's in? It's because we've told God, thanks but no thanks. You're dismissed. We don't want you to govern us. We don't want you to uh, put restraints on our lifestyle. You see, if you're a scoffer and a mocker, you got, you got two options. You can change your life to conform to the Word of God or you can change the Word of God to try to conform to your lifestyle. And that's what they're doing in pulpits all across America today. And for years and years, you know, we've, we've, we've scoffed at the Catholic Church for all of their scandals and whatnot. But I'm going to tell you what, it's not limited to the Catholic Church. There's apostasy in the Baptist Church. Apostasy in the Pentecostal church. Apostasy in the Methodist church. There's, split, there's a big split coming to the Methodist church now. Because one group decides that they want to conform to the word. And there's another group that says we want the word to conform to us. I'm telling you the truth. And that, my friends, is a symptom itself or a, 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 a token, as it were, of the last days. Paul says men will depart from the truth and give heed to seducing spirits and what? Doctrines of demons. Would you stand this morning? You say, well, Andy, what's up with all this doom and gloom on a holiday weekend? It's not doom and gloom. If you were paying attention, Peter says in verse 9, 
The reason God has not come back yet is because He wants everybody in this room, everybody that's listening to this on CD, everybody that's watching on Facebook, He wants you to be saved. That's why Christ does not return yet. But listen to me. He will come. I didn't emphasize this when I read that scripture. But Peter says, but the day of the Lord will come. Ready or not. He will come. And I want to unpack this really, really, really quick. Paul the apostle and Peter both said, used this expression, thief in the night. But I'm going to share with you what, what Paul said uh, to the Thessalonians really quickly. And then we're going to open up this altar. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, For you yourselves know that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. But then in verse 4, he says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. He's not coming on the church as a thief. Those who are watching and waiting. Do you believe it this morning? I believe he's coming. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this altar is open. You come and repent of your sins. And that just means to change your mind. Say, God, forgive me. Get me on the right track. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he'll save you. Believer, if you're living a lukewarm life, come to this altar and ask God to light your fire once again. Would you come? Talisha is going to lead our invitation this morning.
Praise God for the blood of Jesus. Uh -huh.